Happy New Year! How is everyone doing? My gosh, what a year it has been. Welcome back to Citizen Femme's podcasts. If you're new, I'm Sheena, founder of Citizen Femme. We are now in season two of Passport 2, and we have some really brilliant interviews to share with you. We're exploring a range of subjects within women in business, so please make sure to follow along. And we are kicking off season two with two incredibly influential people in wellness as we discuss the incredibly important topic of wellness in 2021, particularly notable to discuss considering this last year and the impact it's had on so many people. I will allow them to introduce themselves. Thank you so much for having me on Um, and so great to be on with Rosemary. I'm such a huge fan of her work and Poppy Jamie and the founder of a mindfulness, a gamified mindfulness app called Happy Not Perfect that turns uh, your kind of mental health workout into a small five minute experience you can do um, on the move or in between other bits. I am the author of Happy Not Perfect, the book that's coming out in April. And that is a book about diving into the mind, learning about it and how to manage it better. And a strategy I came up with called The Flex to have more flexible thoughts. And lastly, I'm the host of Not Perfect, a podcast around how we can feel happier and live our very best lives. Brilliant. Thank you. Happy Not Perfect. I couldn't think of a better title. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Rosemary, over to you. Tell us about yourself. Can I say it is such a brilliant title, Happy Not Perfect, I love it. Um, Okay, so I'm Rosemary Ferguson and I am a nutritionist. But more importantly, actually, I've just qualified um, from the Functional Medicine Institute as a functional medicine practitioner. So that's more of a holistic, like, look at everything. Because, I mean, I'm interested in everything to do with your wellness and that isn't just what you eat, it's your lifestyle, etc, etc. And I think um, what I suppose I'm quite my philosophy is to to you know try and achieve balance I'm not into shaming anybody or you know and I am no angel as people know so I think you know so I love food and I love what it can do for you and actually I love helping people it's such a privilege to be able people actually I'm still amazing that people come and see me for help and together we do get people feeling tip top so that's what I do I have a clinic in Harley Street I have one in London I also um, in the country um, in Oxfordshire I'm also um, the founder of the five-day plan which is um, basically a food plan to show you the power of food rather than anything you know like starving yourself or anything too extreme that people find you know restrictive and unpleasant the five-day plan is all about eating um you know is a very clean i hate that word but it's a very clean diet and it just shows you how fantastic you can change your whole way of feeling from monday to friday you can feel you know you're back to a falls by friday um and i wrote a book as well um a book on juicing a while ago now and there is a new one in the pipeline but it's taking a while and yeah that's me my gosh, that's a lot of stuff. That's an incredible one. All of it is so important and so integral to to, to all of our lives. Um, so much. So you know, huge congratulations on all of that. That's tremendous. Uh, I want to address first mental health, a key part of well being, especially of the past year because of the pandemic. It's been such a big part of people's lives and people's mental health has suffered a huge amount social isolation job losses housing insecurities you know all of these kind of things I would I would really welcome and love you guys to be candid um how has the pandemic affected your mental health and your well-being and also with both of your commitments to exploring how we can feel better in ourselves mentally and physically how do you manifest that in your lives and your roles Rosemary 
Um, yes, yeah, so the pandemic has been challenging. I definitely, to be honest, I mean, I feel, and I know people overuse this word too, grateful, but I do feel really grateful because I live in a really, I live in the middle of a field, which, you know, has never felt more fantastic than when you're not allowed to go anywhere else, you know, and I've had space. Now I have three children and my oldest is 21 and she lives in, in Bristol now. So to have her back was just, you know, you're like, I'd never get that time. So there are lots of things and I've been looking for the positive. This one, however, has taken me a little bit longer to get into the swing off because I, you know, it was, I think because the new year is like ready to go. And then you're like, breaks on, stop, we're not going anywhere again. <laughs> um, but now I've kind of settled into it. Um, and I suppose, what do I think? I suppose I, I do you know what I do? One of the things that I do um, that I'm committed to exploring is just that idea of, of it's, it's actually amazing that I'm talking to with Poppy today, because for me, breathing is something I talk to people a lot about, but don't actually do very much myself. <laughs> and um, so I've been quite committed to the idea of just taking three breaths whenever I feel overwhelmed, just stopping and taking three breaths. And it's amazing the difference that's made. So I think committing to doing something like that meditation whether it's meditation or something but commit to it do it because it works if you do it it doesn't work if you don't I know that sounds obvious but yeah I mean the obvious is it's always it's not that obvious it's very easy to forget to do uh Poppy yeah so I mean I don't I haven't spoken to one person that doesn't find lockdown challenging in some way or other uh, because it is obviously such a far cry from our inverted commas normal lives and you know how I guess we've set up our coping strategies before and we're, we're almost all in a kind of a salt shaker all those snow shakers that's a better metaphor you know we're all kind of in a snow shaker and we're being shaken all about and we're having to find new ways to cope and new ways uh, to maybe manage our stress that you know before potentially we saw friends and obviously we can't do that or you know so many things have changed um, but what I think is remarkable about lockdown, it is showing how adaptable we are as a species. And um, I, I, I wrote a book during kind of first lockdown and it was it was really interesting, I guess, with the material I was researching, especially when I was reading about Darwin. And, you know, he obviously is this kind of great thinker, you know, and wrote about um, the survival of the fittest, when actually when people re-looked at his work, they found he never really found out, he never really meant that. It was never really about the survival of the fittest, but actually the survival of the most adaptable, the people who are able to meet adversity and pivot around it. And I kind of find this third lockdown when my heart sank and, you know, what Rosemary was saying, I think we were all ready to kind of go, 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 go. And suddenly it was like, oh, no, it was this disappointment that we suddenly had to deal with. And also, um, and I think, uh, you know, last year I was, you know, managing and navigating through grief, which is, I don't think an emotion we speak about enough, really, because obviously there's grief when, um when a loved one dies, but also the grief of like the loss of maybe old routine, the this sense of great loss when we're looking at the news and we're obviously seeing, you know, those numbers rise. And um, and th there's slightly more delicate emotions that I think have been brought to the surface that I definitely used to medicate with busyness. And suddenly busyness was taken away from me. And so that's been a really kind of interesting way where I've had to sit with myself I'm like okay if you can't be busy then how are you going to 
be with your feelings and also allow them to pass. So um, it's been kind of, in a way, I find it like an emotional experiment. Um, but the things that have been really helping me is a morning dance party. Um, that is completely like, honestly, like the thing I look forward to just more than anything is a coffee and a bit of a dance. Uh, I've become a great fan of radio too. They're playing some great hits at the moment. <laughs> or I mean, I've assembled a great playlist on Spotify full of kind of 80s, like 70s hits. Um, and, you know, karaoke whenever I can force someone to listen to like, out of pitch voice. Um, so it's kind of just like going back to basics and finding just like kind of really basic fun I've actually been uh, talking all morning about uh doing doing belly belly breathing as Rosemary was saying yes. but, um I guess I you know I guess I was kind of lucky in a way to be writing a book about mental health when I honestly needed the tools I was uh, writing about more than ever um you know than than I ever thought possible I was going to say, actually, it's interesting, isn't it? When you do know, so for food wise, because obviously for everybody, there's been this, I love the six feet from the fridge, living six feet from your fridge 24 seven. It's not really the most positive, not known. No, that's not true. It's not that it's not positive. It's quite challenging to keep on track and to keep feeling well and to keep making the right choices when your your whole body is just going, oh, sod it, I can't be bothered anymore. But it's quite nice to, that you can help. You know, I've quite enjoyed being, you know, like on my Instagram I've got really involved with the community and we're like okay let's try doing it this way let's you know and it's been quite nice to as, as you say Poppy when you know how to belly breathe or you know you you know you'll work on a thing about mental health when you really need it working as a nutritionist during this time has been really very rewarding in a way because people are really receptive to it I've really enjoyed that into him you know that involvement with my community around food and and just hearing what they're what's working for them and what's not working for them and six feet from the fridge stuff it's been quite fun it's so true. And also, I feel like people have now got actually time to maybe even focus on their food. And, you know, I interviewed this guy called uh, Dr. Judd Brewer, and he is a leading uh, neuroscientist on habit change um, at Brown University in the States. And he was saying, actually, lockdown gives us this opportunity to completely um, disrupt our habits. So if your habit is, you know, like going to the office, getting on that tube that you did every day, like an autopilot mode, and then getting the, you know, avocado and crawfish, crawfish salad from Pret yeah. you know, like suddenly Pret was closed and suddenly you were like, oh, I'm at home and now I can actually, you know, I'm being forced to be able to maybe take on new habits. And that's why you kind of, you know, like following your work, uh, Rosemary, has been amazing where you're like, oh, actually, I've got some time to think about what I'm going to eat rather than autopilot my way into Pret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I want to talk about January. It's usually a time for um, resolutions. So firstly, what's your take on resolutions? And do you think these are really attainable generally or even this year with lockdown? I mean, I personally think like this year's resolutions like have kind of gone out the window already because, <laughs> you know, look, I'm lucky I don't have children, but if you're trying to homeschool um, and also keep up five really difficult resolutions, you're like beating yourself up before you've even kind of started. So I'm kind of my mindset is set resolutions when you're in an easier time um, to set, a, you know, a new goal, especially, you know, you're just kind of getting through the days. I don't know where, you know, you are on. I don't like, I think it's I think you just have to be kind to yourself, number one, and like just be sensitive to, you know, what you have on your plate. And then 
and that's kind of been really like my thoughts of this particular January and then I'm going to set my resolutions when we've maybe got a bit more breathing space although I think there's a positive one we can add in having dance parties that would definitely be a good resolution to add in for everybody (laughs) (laughs) those dance parties I want to know more about Poppy because before lockdown my friends were all going to morning raves you know just because it was a great start it was a way of doing exercise basically and and so now I want to know what you're doing I want to know about your dance parties in the morning (laughs) yeah yeah, January I I mean for me January is just uh you know the the resolutions are people just set themselves up to fail which is so Mm -hmm. such a negative start to the year and from somebody who does believe in you know I definitely believe you can do a quick fix for a food plan you can you know and it's got and it can be beneficial like it can get you back on track it can make you just spring you back into action make you feel motivated but I think you know it's a terrible pitfall that January resolution thing um and so I think going gently and doing something that's sustainable and I'm saying all the words are like the buzzwords like make it sustainable make it fine (laughs) which is easier said than done but I definitely think you know I think actually what you said probably being kind to yourself that would be a great resolution but people do that I'm going to run 45 miles this week and I'm going to you know and those ones I just think are the, the resolutions that need to be kicked to the curb because you're never going to keep to them and you're going to end up feeling worse but whereas being kind to yourself and maybe trying to eat one extra veg a week or something like that is doable and it builds confidence in yourself if you do those little steps they will build up to you feel better and they all slowly those little steps slowly you know they do create a change and so that would be my thoughts on January (laughs) plus it's my birthday so there's no point in saying very much because it all goes out the window on the 25th anyway (laughs) Totally. And it's so, you know, the neuroscience like really backs up what Rosemary was saying is, you know, you've got to set yourself up to win. The only way you're going to create any behavior change is if like you're able to celebrate wins. And we are such, I feel like humans in general, we're such carrot creatures in the sense that like we always need the carrot and like lots of well dones. And so those small little changes and also, the, another reason I don't like New Year's resolutions, it like only gives us this one time in the year that we can, you know, reflect and maybe like make small tweaks that will, you know, like improve, improve our life. Whereas actually, I, I actually love this idea of like every month kind of going, OK, what what made me feel great that month? What didn't make me feel good? What am I going to lean into more? What am I going to lean out of more? And um, and then when we do those tiny, tiny tweaks, whether it's as Rosemary said, add, add a vegetable in or whatever it is, it's like having, a, I mean, going back to the dance parties, having a massive celebration when we're able to do that, because you're then hacking your own reward system, your mm-hmm. own reward network. And, you know, before you know it, it's it's a habit that you are craving to do because your brain feels rewarded for doing it. I love adding um, the small bits and the positive elements. So, you know, whether it is having a bit more vegetable in your diet, having the, the, the small bits that are attainable, looking at it monthly, there shouldn't be so much pressure in January. Um, but certainly adding the positivity instead of taking something away. I think that's really lovely and so important to, to take away. Um, I want to talk about detoxes, phones, dietary shifts, all of that. What's your stance on that, Rosemary? 
so detoxing i think there's a difference between you know people get their knickers in the right twist about it your body detoxes itself all the time your liver works 20 i mean it's amazing the liver i think it does a liter of blood a minute to detoxifies, which is incredible so it does it anyway you know you're you're going to but but i do think so people are like you shouldn't need to detoxify but actually if you think about the amount of extra stress pollution um you know preservatives processed foods we eat and drink these days uh, giving your liver a bit of love and support i think is a positive thing to do i also think actually more than anything uh, detox is a really good way to focus your mind on yourself for a bit um i think the the problem that i have with detoxes especially things like fasting and um, which i have sort of revisited a bit i mean i fast but i do it for the right reasons i think the problem that comes with fasting is that people use it for crash weight loss which is it's not going to do that. I mean, it might do while you're not eating anything, but then of course you're going to put that weight back on. Whereas you should be doing it for mindfulness. You should be doing, you know, I do it for brain clarity, to rest my gut, to increase my energy, for like a little reset. So there is definitely a place for them. They've been used for thousands of years and they're they're brilliant, but they just get abused in our culture quite often. And just talking about the digital detox, my God, that is worth more than any fast I've ever done, I think. Switching that phone off for a week is literally like having a breath of fresh air blown into you. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so, and I'm sure Poppy has a lot more to say on that, but, it, I, you know, it's very transformative doing that. Also, I, I love those uh, points on uh, fasting uh, because, yeah, especially around January and it's, what I would say leading on to kind of you know what you consume and this idea of you know we can you know that's content we consume um, as well as you know actual food we consume but you know detoxing the content you consume is uh, whether that be reducing your news intake and um, we almost get a little bit addicted to uh, negative news because naturally we have an 80% negative bias because our brain is wired to look out for the negative um, and want the negative more than the positive because obviously back in caveman times um, you know we would it would improve our ability our chances of survival you know if we were aware of you know potential danger on the horizon but the problem is is that the news is firing it at us like 10 times a minute I mean a lot of you may have like on the Apple news or I don't, I don't, whatever phone you have you have kind of a news portal that you know it's it's becoming as bad as Instagram um I was watching this kind of black comedy uh and it was this you know this woman on the show being like oh I've started watching this new show it's called America it's crazy <laughs> you know and and it is it's kind of you know you look to to what's happened in the last few months and it, our news has turned into its own reality show it seems so unreal um and i think it's just really important what like us even just being conscious about okay in a day what am i consuming if i'm two hours a day on instagram and then two hours watching the news like is that nutritious content i'm consuming and um you know it's kind of in a way like just as bad as like junk food um sometimes it's like we it's like snackable content that never really leaves us feeling full but just constantly wants us to come back for more i think yeah absolutely certainly being conscious about what you're consuming nutritious wise and also for your mind mentally poppy tell us about happy not perfect you mentioned it in your introduction but what sparked the idea so I started developing Happy Not Perfect uh, about four or five years ago now. And um, it was really um, inspired by my mum, who's a psychotherapist. And I just remember 
thinking to myself, what on earth would I do um, if I didn't have a psychotherapist mum? Because, you know, I've been someone who's who in the past has been really vulnerable to suffering chronic kind of stress and anxiety. And I remember thinking, because I'd moved to um, America at this point, and um, because of the time zone at 3pm, I wouldn't obviously be able to talk to anyone in England because it's too late. I remember having a complete panic and going, oh, well, I can't, well, I can't call my mom and I, I can't call my, any of my friends. I'm completely alone with my mind going berserk. And I thought, why is there not somewhere I can go to right now to like help me process what's going on and then help me feel better? And that's when I thought, well, how do I put my mum in an app? How do I put psychotherapy in an app? And, and that then led me down uh really kind of like this Alice in Wonderland um kind of hole to meeting so many fascinating uh people from neuroscientists to breathwork experts to you know kind of world like mental health leaders um and looking at how I could take the last 40 years of the science behind happiness and positive neuroscience and turn it into a digital experience that any age can do and also great if you can't meditate because that was my problem I was like I'm feeling stressed everyone's telling me to meditate but I find it really difficult surely there must be something else I can do and so happy not perfect is it's it it turns your mental health ritual into a game. So it's your happiness workout, for example, is eight science-backed steps, takes less than five minutes. And then at 7 p.m. every night, you can start your sleep wind down. And that then is eight neuroscience-backed steps to help wind down your mind, relax your nervous system and incorporates things like breathing and journaling and compassion. Um, and so, yeah, it's been um, it's been a fascinating world of kind of combining mental health and tech in a kind of interactive way. That's brilliant. And I hope it's been such an integral part of people's lives in the past year and moving forward, because it, it sounds like an absolutely essential app to have. The book that's coming out, Happy Not Perfect, um, is that a reflection of the app? Yeah, so the book is a deeper dive. Um, what I would say about all kind of these mindfulness, you know, tips and tricks and practices that you can do um, I would say it's it's mental health maintenance. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. But often, you know, we all have, let's say, like, you know, our, our teeth actually starts to ache. And, um, and the book is almost like going and, you know, actually going to the root of um, potentially the stress. You know, meditation can help manage our, our mental health and it can manage it really well. But actually asking yourself, why do I feel stressed in the first place? Or why am I reacting like that in the first place? So the book is this real deep dive into how our core beliefs shape how we feel, how we think, how we react, and looking at where our core beliefs, you know, came from. So the book kind of digs out like 12 year old diary entries, which are crazy to read. And you see at such young age, we form a belief system that almost like stays with us if we don't challenge it for our entire life um and that to me has I mean it's been the most liberating process writing this book um I could ever experience and I did a lot of interviews and you know I interviewed a man who was in his 80s and um it was only a year before the interview that he suddenly realized that his belief that he was stupid 
was completely false, was wrong. But he'd been told at the age of seven that he was stupid. And as a consequence, that dictated every decision he made in his life because he didn't want to be exposed. He didn't want to be stupid, feel or look stupid. And actually, he realized it was it was a complete false um, thing to believe in the first place. And you think, wow, he lost. We didn't, you know, he had 60 years of managing and, and, and carrying this heavy negative belief about himself. Um, so hopefully the book is a, a kind of a tool to liberate everyone from, you know, faulty beliefs that we've all kind of inherited in some shape or form. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly something I've been working on is looking at why do I think this and what, where does that thought come from? And it's something that someone had said to me in a passing comment when I was a child and you kind of live with it. So unless you address it, then, um, it, it just kind of sits subconsciously within you. So I think that's fantastic to deep dive into that. Rosemary, you mentioned the five-day plan at the beginning. Can you go a little deeper into that and tell us what can we achieve in five days? <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, the, well, the five-day plan, um, it started um, just because some friends of mine were like, oh, I can't do it, I can't cook that. I was like, okay, I'll do it for you, literally with four girls. And so I made them four, <laughs> made their four meals for five days. I was like, come on. Um, and it was sort of more just to trial things. So I started with my four guinea pigs. Um, and what can you achieve in five days? Well, so I suppose as a nutritionist, you hear people struggling all the time. Um, and it's usually to do with the amount of food they're eating or not thinking that they should eat. And the relationship with food is so skewed now for a lot of people. I suppose as a nutritionist, you're focused on food all the time, which isn't particularly healthy either <laughs> so the five-day plan was really there it really started just trying to show people what you could eat you could eat all I mean you know you could eat all this food um I mean it's it's not masses and masses and masses but you know it's a really healthy well-balanced sensible way of eating um and it was designed just to show people what you could eat and how different you would feel after five days so you can literally start the week. And I hear it. I've now we've done this. So, you know, I think I can't remember how many years I've been doing that. But I think we're into the third. We've done two years for sure. And you, I've had so many, so many emails and messages and calls saying, I can't believe how different I feel after just five days of eating. It's basically an anti-inflammatory uh, way of eating. So, you know, so it's quite like, it's very clean. It's very healthy. There's no gluten. There's no dairy things that can irritate the body and so just for five days you eat that way and then you feel completely different by the end of it and that's what it was designed to do there is something called the liquid day in the middle of it which is um is really there just to help rest your gut a little bit the food it's not calorie specific it's more to do with so it's basically blended so it's soup that's blended you get two smoothies you get two soups it's just more that the the food that you eat has is, is been blended for you. So the digestion, part of your digestion has been done for you. So that's the point of the liquid day in the middle. Um, and yeah, and that's what it was for, really. It was really just a way to show people that you can eat food and feel great and you don't have to restrict too much. You know, you don't have to starve yourself, basically. And if you just stick it out, five days is not a long time at all. It whizzes by. I guess if you stick it out for five days, you can see really what is possible and how satisfied you can be. Five days doesn't sound long, but actually when you're eating in a way that you're not used to eating, people, it's amazing how people focus on what they're not having rather than what they're having. On a Tuesday, it can be quite a tricky day. They really obsess about what they're not having, like their glass of wine or their cake or their, 
you know and then but by the end of it they they've turned they're, they're like those small steps that I was talking about that do you know have an impact by the end of it they're feeling good and positive and therefore they want to carry on taking care of themselves so it's kind of like in a bit of an emotional journey but five days can feel quite long to some people <laughs> it certainly can especially when you're at home in lockdown um you find yourself I mean, I certainly do find myself going to the fridge more, eating more. It's those gaps, I suppose, being busy or running around or going here or there or even school runs or whatever that may be. It, it may be a lot harder when you're at home all the time. That's part, you know, um, what people have reported. And it is harder because also it's just boredom as well, isn't it? Food, you know, our relationship with food is much more than just what we put in our mouths. It's much more to do. It's, most, it's mostly emotional, how we feel about food, how we... You know, is whether we're eating it as a family together or it's what you, you know. For me, I think about cooking. It's what I love doing. You know, getting creative in the kitchen. Um, and for other people, it's just you know, it it sort of literally fills a void. You know, you can self medicate with food. It's um so it's interesting being in lockdown with all those emotions running around that we which we've been talking about. Um, the food, the the you know the impact on your relationship with food is, is quite something, and having that fridge just there is um yeah challenging as i said <laughs> yeah you both crossed into publishing why do you think there's such a keen interest in wellness-based literature now do you know it's funny because i think well it's not funny i think that people are interested in wellness-based literature because they're interested in taking care of themselves you know i think it's it's like a, a whole new generation i know that my daughter who's 21 and her friends, I mean, they still go out, but they're nowhere near as bad as we were when we were younger. You know, they, you know, that sort of culture, the culture of taking care of yourself. And but the thing that worries me about it, the reason I'm hesitant is because I was, as I'm going to say, is that I think it's about how you look, which is the concern that I have about, you know, this whole wellness thing. of It's all about looking great, looking healthy. It's not about being well, being healthy, which is where I come from. And actually some of the, you know, there are some brilliant wellness books out there. Um, which aren't to do with that but I think that that's why there's such an interest in wellness in general and I worry that it just comes from the, the aesthetic rather than the actual being well. Yeah I think it's a really powerful point actually really powerful yeah it's I mean yeah you must really what are your thoughts on orthorexia um, Rosemary? So I see people in clinic all the time who are trying so hard to do the right thing that they've missed point of taking care of themselves and having balance and not you know food becoming so important that it's actually crippling the rest of their life um, and making them miserable so yeah I definitely think it's something to be concerned about yeah that was I mean definitely like part of the reason I think I um, came up with the name happy not perfect was really in a response to that there's so much pressure and I came up with it when I was 25 and you know I've just turned 30 but I'm I'm I've just become so fascinated by this like the twenties that like that that kind of ten year decade because the pressure is I know there's a lot of conversation around this but it is enormous and you know I'm so with you I don't sometimes I think the wellness industry is um, a bit of an illusion and um, and I just think that's a really I don't know it's like really hit me that point actually because I don't think. I really don't think people are talking about that enough and you know people kind of shield behind I'm being super healthy but we're just swapping one addiction for another um sometimes it feels yeah I agree that's a really important point to raise so thank you for that the wellness industry being so so big but out of it what is useful and what is not detriment detrimental to people's well-being really 
Um, talking about trends and a bit of forecasting, what do you think are the dominant trends of the coming year in wellness, the positive ones? Copy. My fascination now, I think, is, and it probably touches upon Rosemary's point too, but it's actually really about getting in touch with your energy. I think it's about energetic health. And it kind of goes, you know, back to like how you're feeling. But this idea in my book, I write about it in step one. So I come up with this method called the flex. And it's all about a flex to feel, have more flexible thoughts. And I don't think you can think your way out of a problem. I really, truly believe you've got to move your way out of a problem. Because if you're kind of trying to figure something out, or if you're feeling stressed or anxious or overwhelmed or whatever you're feeling, it's really difficult to start feeling something else, staying sedentary. So I think actually, hopefully the the actual fitness industry is going to completely combine with the mental health industry. And it all be about like, moving your body to upgrade your energy and so for me that's why the dance parties are you know have just become so essential because it's not really you know yes it moves my body it's a form of exercise that's great but actually it's like upgrading my energy so it means I can actually send the emails I want to actually do get on with the tasks I need to do that day um, and like uplift my mood and um, and so that's kind of what I'm interested in and I think this I'm, you know, I guess like my personal interest in uh, infrared. Um, I've got this, my mum, my mum is like me and her. I mean, we're just like total geeks when it comes to all of this. But we recently just got this uh, amethyst biomat and um, it's got far infrared um, and uh, long wave, uh, basically energetic waves. And I'm really interested in that and like basically what what you can be doing to actually change your energy, not really the focus on the mind or the body, but and obviously it involves nutrition too. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Amethyst Biomat. I'm going to look at that. I've written it down. I'm going to look. Um, I have to say it's unbelievable. And and look, correct me, I hate when, you know, when people just spout forth, and they don't know what they're talking about. So I like disclaimer, I don't really know what I'm talking about right now. But from what I've read, infrared is often the most like powerful prevention for cancer. And so this biomat, um, my parents use it for half an hour every single day. Um, and it is truly amazing. So if I had a bad back over Christmas, lay on this mat, and within an hour, I felt so much better um I'll send you a link afterwards and you can put it in the show notes but honestly it, it, and it, I'm just gonna say it is like a little bit expensive but I really think it is brilliant okay well maybe I'll ask for it for my birthday amethyst is the Aquarius stone and it is my birthday and I hope to buy my present so that's what I might ask for <laughs> perfect present <laughs> There has definitely over lockdown and the whole pandemic been a huge shift towards mental health, which of course is part of wellness, you know, so that is definitely a really massive part. So, you know, so that is definitely moving away from how you look to how you feel. And I feel like there's been a huge um, amount of attention being put in that place. So I really hope that mental health um, becomes, I mean, I know it's, it's been growing and I know I can see it with my teenage children how much that they focus on it at schools um and so i hope that that continues to become acknowledged as a really important part of your well-being 
um and oh you know and and actually you know poppies out things like that that help people because i'm constantly saying meditate 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 i find it really hard to meditate too um so you know but there are i think you know the, the, looking at something like poppy's app is a really good indicator of where that's going and I, so i think so i hope that that continues to grow um i also think connection is going to be really important and actually the thought about doing things on zoom like dance classes and things like that it's good because i think i feel like the the pandemic has affected our connection with people um and we've probably changed for, for good something you know some of our behavior patterns and I hope that we learn to reconnect with people I know from speaking to some clients that they've lost confidence in seeing people and going out um whether that started as being concerned about getting sick but has now become sort of a slightly like slightly feeling slightly agoraphobic they don't really want to go they don't know how to connect with people again so um I think that that will be a I think that will be important this year. I think, you know, getting people out, reconnecting with people that you haven't, you know, it's funny now I speak to people I haven't seen them for almost a year. It's very strange when you realise in one way that time has flown past and I'm like, so weird, I haven't seen you for a year. But and then in another way, it's really sad. You think about all the people you haven't seen for nearly a year. And I think reconnecting with those people, whether it's via a dance class on Zoom or, you know, wh- however it is, um, I think will be really important. And then the other thing that I thought about, which um, is sleep, it's my big, big thing in in my world of work at the moment, is that the days of saying I've only had five hours sleep are gone because it's not a good thing to only have five hours sleep. Um, We need to have more. And I think that I think that that will be something that is coming, you know, focusing people will start focusing a bit more. I really hope self-care is a big thing on people's agenda coming up. Mm. Um, Do either of you have any advice or tips on staying positive? cooking, meditation, apps, healthy eating, all of this kind of stuff. Any tips or advice is very welcome. Well, I would say that, um, and I really think this is so cliche, and I guess, so I I say that with hesitation, but the science behind it is so brilliant, so I'm going to say it. Writing a grateful diary before you go to sleep, actually, is really powerful. There was a study that found those that went to bed with more positive thoughts slept longer slept deeper and had better quality sleep and often what happens that you know in that moment we want to go to sleep that's when our worry gremlins come out to play and we're like oh god have we said this I shouldn't have done this I should have done that and we haven't gone through our to-do list all of those sort of things actually getting your pen and paper out or downloading an app really does work Mm. and I think that what I would say is that um trying to stay positive is as I said earlier to do small steps think of something that you want to do and just take small whether it's learning to cook a new recipe you know keep it doable um and and you know don't set massive goals that you know or set set goals but don't set set things that are unachievable just do little steps little things every day if even if it's like doing five minutes meditation you don't have to do half an hour meditation you can do five minutes or just do the belly breathing or you know try to make a recipe that you haven't made before go out you know or go for a 20 minute walk every day i think in my experience people send right I'm going to go running now for an hour a day which isn't sustainable and it isn't achievable necessarily you know you might not stick at that whereas going for a 20 minute walk and looking at nature and sort of just taking a deep breath is actually much more achievable and you will continue to do it I mean I'm a runner but um, for all those people who hate running this was quite interesting so the LSE did a study a while ago and they found that walkers after 30 years were fitter and leaner than runners because 
running is you're not as consistent walking is more consistent you can do it more often so um so I, I know that a lot of my clients take great glee when I tell them that actually just walking <laughs> is a brilliant way to brilliant way to exercise and it's a nice way to get outside absolutely and incredibly useful both of those you know all of the tips that you mentioned are certainly attainable if we're just mindful about giving ourselves that time and effort to ourselves one final question for both of you what would you say is the passport to maintaining wellness this year although you've kind of answered it already but I'll, I'll take it well I suppose I would say take a deep breath and take one small step at a time because those small steps add up to a big shift um, and I suppose you know I have said that throughout the podcast but that is something I really truly believe I would say find something that um, you feel that you can progress um, doing, whether that be, you know, as Rosie said, go for a walk, go for a run, or that could be like learning a learning an instrument or learning a language or or just getting feeling like you're getting better at something, because I think that gives us confidence. We it's it's something that we can look forward to doing and um and it is it's it, yeah I think I think that that is find something you can feel passionate about really because you know inspiration or using your imagination maybe it's reading fiction books um or maybe it's like you know catching up on movies that you wouldn't have had t- the time to do before but I do think like allowing ourselves to play and allowing ourselves to have more fun is really important Thank you both so much. I am incredibly grateful. This is a topic that's particularly close to me. And um, I think everything you've said has been so useful. I hope everyone who listens takes a lot away from this. Where can we all follow you on social media? Poppy. You can find me just at Poppy Jamie. um, And you can uh, find Happy Not Perfect, the book, at all kind of bookstores. and uh, you can download Happy Not Perfect on any app store of your choosing. Thank you. Rosemary. So you can find me on Instagram at, um, at rosemaryferguson underscore. There's loads of recipes and loads of stuff on the website um, at rosemaryferguson.co.uk. And the book, the book came out a while ago, but it's called Juice and you can find it on Amazon. Thank you for listening to this episode and thank you to our guests for joining. If you missed out on season one, we're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where we cover everything from solo travel to the secrets behind a great hotel. For all your listening pleasures, please make sure to check in. And please remember to like and leave a review.